0: So coming up to 40 years now.
1: Yep, it's it's gone 40 years now. Um, And uh, just as we, it's a changed world since when we went into lockdown. Um, It's it's a changed world than 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, 40 years ago, it's a long time. Um, I was still in high school, um, going to a state high school in the South Island and the West Coast um, when the Stasis was formed. the the culture then still would uh was strongly christian um and uh the the church um you know and and christianity was upheld by by the majority of people um in my last year of high school um You know, we we got to do computer science for the first time and we used to write our programs punching holes into cards. I had a job after school. I got to go to leave school early to, to take them these cards downtown for our class. They were put on the bank courier, and they went to Christchurch that afternoon. They were processed the next day, and then the bank courier brought them back on the third day. And uh, if you didn't punch all the holes out properly, well, your program didn't work, so you had to resubmit it and wait another three days. Uh, but, you know, in the lockdown we've just had... So many people are on uh, Zoom conferences or watching uh, live stream masses on Facebook or, um, or uh, YouTube, you know, the, the technology's just changed so much. And I think it's that technology that's really changed um, our world so much, you know, and I think that's had a real uh, huge impact on how people view faith um, or how people have lost faith. You know, we've got caught up in this digital world, and um, one of the things uh, that I talked about in the Synod of Young People was um, um, digital migration. You know, and what I mean by that is when a, um, people migrate from one country to another, they, they become uprooted from their own country, but then they, they, they try to plant into the new country. but it's, there's this gap between. And I think the digital culture um, and um, media today, you know, whether it's TV first or film, Uh, But music increasingly um, uproots us from our familial values, from our cultural values, from our our church values, our Christian values. Um, But often it leaves us hanging with with nowhere to sink our roots. And I think, you know, just even in the last couple of days, it's it's coming out in in our media about young people being so unhappy uh, and so lonely. I think, you know, these, the, the technology doesn't re- replace face-to-face contact. This individualistic world doesn't replace the community. And I think that's something that people are increasingly starting to, to realise. And I think this is an opportunity for us as church, you know, for the Diocese of Hamilton going into the future. You know, how do we provide that, that place of, of welcome? Jesus invites us into friendship with him. You know, companionship, you know, companion, sharing bread. Uh, you know, that's what we do. We're a Eucharistic people. We, we, we share companionship with each other on the journey, um, that journey we have together in Christ.
0: With the 40 year anniversary of the diocese comes your five year anniversary as, as the bishop. Yeah. You, okay. Can you remember
1: the day that you were installed? Yeah. Ordained. ordained, ordained, ordained. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. Installed, be if I became here as bishop from another place. All so oh, right. right. Yeah, okay. so, um, yeah, it was it was an incredible um, journey. Um, there have been people that have been saying to me for some time that they thought I was going to be the bishop of Hamilton, and I was busy praying that I wouldn't be, because um, I didn't want to be a bishop, and um, but. Uh, I was uh, before I was appointed. I was working on the staff of the seminary, and the Bishop of Christchurch, Bishop Barry Jones, who was my bishop, mm-hmm. asked me to come home early to to pick up a parish, and um, and I asked if that was a permanent appointment, and he said yes, and I said it's fine. I says if it's it's one thing, if it's permanent, if it's another. If it's filling in, and um, so Father Michael Gielan was due back from Rome. Um, to replace me in the seminary, I said, I'll do a quick handover with him, and then I'll, I'll come. And then the week I was leaving the seminary, I was told uh, by Bishop Barry to that actually I'd be going to another parish, but I was to go to the first one first. Um, so that unsettled me. And then the seminarians presented me with a cardboard mitre and um, an umbrella, because they were convinced I was going to be appointed Bishop of Hamilton. Um, and that unsettled me even more. And I went on retreat at Nakuru, at the Taiban Monastery there. And and normally my retreats are really rich times with the Lord, but uh, mm. I got two passages of Scripture that came to me. Um, Mary's Magnificat, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, um, and the Lord's my shepherd, but neither gave me any consolation and... Um, was really the last hour before I left to drive back down to Christchurch that I really felt the Lord saying to me, why do you doubt me so much? You've worried about so many things all throughout your life, but they've never turned out like you thought. And it was one of those near-death experiences where, you know, your life unfolds before you. It was like that. He just, the Lord just unfolded to me all these things that I'd worried and stressed about. And that never turned out like I thought they would. And um, so I left there saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and, um, and a great peace came over me and three weeks later I was back in the car out of the garage and it was the nuncio saying come to Wellington tomorrow and uh, he told me I'd have been appointed Bishop of Hamilton and, uh, and I was actually really peaceful about, um, about accepting the appointment. Uh, then the fear set in a little bit and, uh, but I came up uh, to Hamilton and uh, met the staff here at the Chanel Centre Um, and um, some of the priests and I felt a lot easier then and coming back to your question, the the night of the 13th of February, um, I felt really peaceful.
0: So now you've been uh, here in the Promised Land for five years? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's it been yeah, like, Bishop, Bishop of the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right.
1: Well, they're doing terribly. Yeah, so yeah. Well, Hopefully I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. Sure. Yeah, well, it's that's all right because my heart's with the Highlanders <laughs> still. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, it's it's look. I'd say it's probably been the most um, challenging five years of my priestly life. I've had some uh, pretty big things happen, um, but at the same time, I've I've really felt the Lord's presence, and I, and I know this is where I'm called to be, and um, one of the things, um, the people of Christ the King Parish in Burnside, where I was for two months before I came up here, um, they said to me, lots of people coming up to me, they just and said, oh, you're going to be a marvellous bishop, just be yourself, and I dismissed the compliment, but as I was driving up, I thought actually, what they're saying to me is, if I'm uh, a bishop like I have been their priest for the last two months, I might have half a chance of doing all right, and so um, and so you know when I go into parish the parish or even when I stood in the weekday live stream masses during um, uh, lockdown, it was really very much with the thought actually I'm just the parish priest of the diocese. Um, and a parish priests got to be close to the people, love the people, enjoy the people, and let the people love me, and uh, that's what I've tried to do. I'm not the world's best uh, administrator or uh, in terms of governance, uh, but uh, I love being a pastor, and I love breaking open God's word for people, and uh, love celebrating the sacraments, and love hearing what the lord's doing in people's lives and seeing what the lord's doing in people's lives for us as a diocese you
0: know life begins at 40. Right? <laughs> hamilton diocese life begins at 40. you know you've been around for five years you've got a bit of a idea of how things are going mm. you know and you, you know we had the with hearts burning series and mm. where, where do you hope things are going well, that's the big question.
1: The, you know, and I chose—I chose, <laughs> I I chose I for know. my motto, "The Lord's my shepherd." You know, it's, mm. it's, it's He that guides us, and um, you know, the, the with hearts burning um, process. And I'd say it's a process; it wasn't a strategic plan, uh, but it's really, I think, a great model for us to reflect on how's the Lord leading us, and it reminds us of those those basic things of um, how do we get alongside people you know um, how we present to our people um, people that have got all sorts of things going on in their lives you know and uh, and christ was present to to everybody um you know how do we listen to them you know what were you talking about on the road how do we listen to our people and then you know how do we companion them on the journey how do we accompany them you know and that that word comes from you know the latin to share bread you know, and then how do we lead them to the encounter with Christ? You know, that, that moment where people have the aha moment and, um, and then in turn that they want to be disciples. They want to go out into the night and share that good news um, so that that process always stays at the background and it was really quite interesting at the um yeah here yeah, it is <laughs> in the background it was really quite interesting at the um the synod for young people the faith and vocational discernment that was the the scriptural motif the bishops ch- uh, and the the lay people who, that were there at the synod chose for their document in writing to Pope Francis with their reflections on the synod, and um, Pope Francis again picked it up in the final document, *Christus Fevered. So, I mean, that process still stays. You know, it's, it's it's a process. It's not a it's not a plan. But one of the things that's been coming up from the Council of Priests and the um, Diocese and Pastoral Council is the need for a strategic plan for the diocese. You know, when you think about um, Hamilton City, for example, um, you know, after the Second World War, there were only 20,000 people live here, living here. Um, now there's 150,000, um, and they reckon within the next 20, 30 years, there'll be 400,000, and similar sort of stats for for um, Tauranga um then you get other places like toui which was a thriving town with big freezing works and railways uh, big employer when the diocese started and now is really struggling you know and that's the the, the the true for a number of our rural towns Murapara, you know with forestry Huntley with the mines um, it, it's it's a changing dynamic and um, and then in the midst of our world um, people's patterns of, of practice of faith has changed you know once upon a time probably at the start of the diocese there was usually a parent at home now it's you know people are working all kinds of shifts people are having to work two or three jobs both parents to to survive so it's a whole different reality um, and and in that time the, the families change values have changed so um, so to that end, we are having, in October, a workshop to help formulate a strategic plan for the diocese, and, and that's going to have two um, dimensions to it. One is is looking ahead for 50 years um, and thinking, well, where are our parishes going to be? Where's the population growth going to be? How are we going to deploy our, pro, our priests and, um, and, and build those parish communities? And... Um, so that's going to give parishes the sort of framework to to make their decisions for the future, because ultimately it comes down to the parishes. But but we can't stay the same, you know. We can't keep a structure that was set up in 1980 and think, well, that's going to be all right, you know, in um, you know, 10 years time or, or, or the next 50 years, you know. We, we've we've got to think about where is the city going to, where are the people going to be in our diocese in our diocese the other th- aspect of the the, the program or the strategic workshop and this is probably the more important part is what are we going to do um, as a diocese to respond to the pastoral needs the spiritual needs in our diocese now and I suppose that's a way lots of ways what the the um, uh, the process of With Hearts Burning is all about it. You know, it's about listening to, to the voices of people as we reflect on what's the reality of our parishes and communities now and um, how can we respond to the partial and spiritual needs in those communities as we go forward. And so I'm hoping out of that that um, uh, Pope Francis talks about us having a synodal process so that's that it's the whole church coming together um, and reflecting on these things. Now we can't have a, a synod where everyone can come, but we have got representatives from around the diocese, so there's going to be lots of different voices um, that are going to be reflecting on this together and praying together about this.
0: Mm.
1: So, so the spiritual needs of the diocese is something that
0: you're obviously qu- quite
1: passionate about. Yeah, I think it's it's the you know I think it's the big uh, ill in our society. Our society at the moment overemphasizes our sexuality and our sexual nature, um, and forgets about it, our spiritual nature. It's really quite interesting at the moment. The Ministry of Health's got uh, a, a plan or a model for uh, mental health for Maori and um, and uh, Tafale Tapufa, you know, the four walls, but you know, one of them's spirituality. But I don't think our Ministry of Health actually knows how to. Um, Really uh, tap into to spirituality, and I think that came through with lockdown too. You know, spirituality is not seen as important, and in fact, it's a it's an incredibly important human dynamic, mm. uh, whether people say they're believers or not. Um, it's a part of our human nature. Mm. And and so you, you've made some things happen around the spiritual needs of the diocese already. You know. One of the first things I did when I arrived in the diocese was go around and visit the priests and ask, have you got a spiritual director? And um, the response I got back often is, we haven't got any spiritual directors. And um, and so that's something that I've wanted to have um, two priests that uh, train spiritual directors uh, working in spiritual direction. and Available not only for our priests, but for lay people as well. And so they've been running a variety of retreats um, as well as um, as doing spiritual direction. But that's been really exciting when people have been coming out of those retreats and saying, wow, this has been life-changing to my prayer and, and to, to, to my relationship with my God.
0: You know, I, th- I think it's something that you said to me once, you know, the amount of priests we have, people often point to a shortage of priests, but the amount of priests we have normally is, is relative to the amount of faithful we have in the church and things like
1: that. Yeah, it was one of the things that I um, was really surprised about some years ago when I was working in Christchurch Diocese and I did some stats for a process we were doing and the number of priests compared to active Catholics was higher then, so that would would have been, you know, 2000 or thereabouts, it was higher then than it was 50 years before. Mm. And so the bigger crisis is that people have stopped practising their faith. Um, they've walked away from the church. And I don't think it's church that we've actually been really good at going and asking, why have you stopped? We, we haven't learnt um, from why people are leaving. And, um, and I think that the expectation can be at time, well, people have to come here. Uh, but Jesus' model is actually, no, go after the lost sheep.
0: I remember you saying the other day in, in the Diocesan Pastoral Council, you know, it's about, it's about the faithful and the people of our diocese listening to Jesus' call. Mm. You know, it's not about thinking about priests and, and perhaps, a, you know, the perceived shortage or the shortage of priests. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not about maybe preparing for a priestless church. No. It's more about us as a diocese listening. Yeah.
1: And, and it's about priests and people working together. You know, Jesus, you know, is in the Emmaus story there. He, he walks with us always. You know, that was his promise. I'm with you always until the end of time. And, and he speaks to us on the journey. But um, I don't think at times we're all good listeners to him. I think um, another... Um, Challenge for us is is our schools, and um, you know we've we've got a really um, good network of schools, um, but our challenge that we face is that many of our parents um, that are sending their kids to our Catholic schools aren't practicing their faith, uh, but the schools perceived as in some ways a, a better school. Um, But it's a bit like, we'll take what we want off the shelf, but we don't want the whole package. We'll take the school, but not the parish. Thank you very much. And aligned with that is um, that, you know, when I went through the Catholic primary school system, um, we had a um, catechetical program called Living Light. And it was basically, you know, you know, hug a tree, sort of, Jesus loves you and that's it, full stop. Um, it never really took us into the mystery of the faith or really took us on the faith journey. It was all experiential without any knowledge. Uh, but equally problematic is a program that's all based on knowledge but isn't e- experiential, you know, that the, both feed into each other. They're both the, the, uh, really important for living out the... Um, spiritual life, because uh, Jesus is just not an abstract idea. He is the one who walks with us on the, and speaks to us on, on the road. So it's about the two going hand in hand together. But, you know, the reality is that many of our teachers have come through the system where they're not strong in their faith, and so it's a real challenge for them to impart um, a real passion for the faith. So that's that's a challenge that we all have to face, and that's one of the things that I'm hoping for our teachers will pick up the opportunities for spiritual direction, for really deepening their own relationship with with Christ, um, so that they might be better teachers and uh, better able to impart to the children um, a lively sense of faith. Once upon a time, we had the nuns and the the, the brothers or the priests. Um, teaching in the schools and, and we don't see that now but uh, but we really need really passionate um, committed um, Catholic teachers in our schools to ensure that the the faith passes on but that that's our challenge I mean we'll be a Terrible loss if we didn't have our schools. I think would be in a lot worse situation. That's a, a tough one,
0: isn't it? It's yeah, but mean, I mean, it's, it's the same with worse.
1: it's the same. It's the same with parish, you know. And uh, it was really nice. We had our chrism mass this year, um, really late because of lockdown. We had it in Rotorua. Um, but one of the beautiful things about that mass was the people who were there, and um, and then we had. Uh, a Hakari, a, a feast, you know, Rotorua parish just excelled themselves yeah. with the food. But it was just a great celebration of the people loving their priests and the priests loving their people. And uh, it was just beautiful to see. I thought this is the church. This yeah. is us on fire. It was just a, a, a beautiful day. And I think, you know, that's um, our parishes, um, you know, no, no one's got the rocket science. There's no perfect formula. Um, we live in challenging times, and it's our f- living faith is like living love, you know. in a, in a marriage, there's no, there's no guidebook how to have a perfect marriage, and it's the same with faith, you know. We've got a, you've got a journey with each other where you are at the time, and uh, and that calls us to be to be faithful and faith filled, and uh, but you look at the Old Testament or. Um, you know, the acts of the apostles and, um, you know, that journey of faith, God and his people, you know, and there's all kinds of infidelities and weakening of the faith and then times when it was really vibrant, uh, you know, it works out over time. But I think we can get bogged down and think, you know, woe and despair in this moment. Mm. Um, Guilty. But Yeah, but yeah, but we, we're the church, you know, the New Zealand church was born out of the the church that From France uh, that had just come out of the French Revolution Mm. you know and um, you know the the first missionaries here either them or their parents had lived through that revolution and look what they gave us and uh, yep we've got a revolution in our own time there's lots of people that would like to behead the church um, and uh, shoot us down Um, but uh, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus you know, and uh, that's the gospel for this Sunday, you know, is, you know, he calls Peter to step out of the boat, yeah. take that step in faith and walk on the water, and, uh, and I think that's what we've got to f- keep f- keep our focus on Jesus, keep faithful to him, and if people don't follow, that's, that's okay. You know, he he struggled with that too. People wanted the the, the free meal, uh, but when it came to the crunch, there weren't many at the the foot of the cross.
0: Mm. That's right. And then I think even when he taught on the Eucharist, right, half of them left or something. That's right. That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was there. This teaching is too hard. People walked away, and he let them go. Didn't call after them and say, "Oh, you've got it wrong," or you know, insist they had to be back there. Um, and I think, you know, the prodigal son Again, it's another sort of thing The, the, the father let the son go You know It's got to be your choice And then the eldest son, you know Who's complaining, you know, about his, his brother You know, he didn't insist That he come into the feast He he implored, but he didn't insist It's, it's our choice That's right And I mean, with the
0: schools, you know One thing you've done is, is you've brought over a net team What What do you like about the net team?
1: Yeah, it's, um, and this is, this is one of the, the big things that came up from the Synod, um, and it was the experience around the world that young people, evangelising young people is, is really important. And, um, but I, I, I love our young people that have come to work in our diocese for the NET team. Um, I get such great reports that people just love their um, vibrancy and the enthusiasm, and, and they're loving it too. You know, and I'm I'm hoping from them being seen in our in our schools and parishes around the diocese that in turn our young people will say, Actually I'd like to do that for a year when I leave school. You know, it's a great adventure because um people that have done net from this diocese are still actively involved in and um, the life of our diocese and so there we go and uh, and that's what we want you know and I think but I think you know it's that often it's you've got to take that step and actually sharing faith for you to grow in your own faith. Mm. Anything else on your mind? Well I think one of the things that's that's going to come up um, mm. um, this year is the the Royal Commission into Sexual Abuse Uh Children and state and um, and faith-based institutions, and um, unfortunately, there's a sad history. And as church, we're going to have to face. Um, I think, um, and I really hope that the royal commission is really going to open um, the subject of of sexual abuse up. I, I think um, initially. Um, Media have done a a great service for the church in opening this issue up, but I I think sometimes their reporting uh, now leaves a lot to be desired. They're going over the same ground. Um, It's one of um, the most uh, challenging, but at the same time, most rewarding um, aspects of my job is meeting people who have been abused. And, um, and trying to journey with them and, and, um, and offer them um, the church's help in rebuilding their lives and um, those that I've seen I, I try to keep in touch with um, and some pop in and have a chat every now and then and, or I'll uh, contact them and, and have a coffee um, and just check on and how they're doing Um, but there is a whole story of actually how the church has responded, um, and that's a story that hasn't been told. Um, we've certainly learnt, uh, a lot of, uh, lessons and, um, um, throughout the years and, uh, just as we didn't like talking about it 30, 40 years ago, um, so our community doesn't like talking about it and, uh and i think um yes we have to, to face our past and justice has to be uh, given to those who were abused um, but at the same time we've also got to be a voice for those who are being abused today and uh, i think at the moment we're getting called up and caught up and listening to all these other voices going on in the world you know and so like the the referendum that that's coming up for Euthanasia and uh, for the cannabis reform, you know. And I think um, actually there's another voice that that we've got to listen to, and it, it's it's Jesus' voice, you know. And it's it's that voice of do not kill. You know, it's it's, it's as simple as that. Because uh, you can call it assisted dying, you can call it whatever you like. But <laughs> effectively, what we're asking doctors to do, and this is why they don't want to do it is to inject a lethal injection into someone to 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 kill them to end their life now you can call that assisted dying but it's not you know and i think this is the problem that um that we have as, as we disguise the language to make it all right and and that happens in society so many times recreational cannabis it, it doesn't recreate us you know that anyone who's knows people that have been on cannabis all their lives can see what it does to them and now the research is showing the intergenerational effect on this is just massive mm. you know and so it's not about free choice or or saying it's all right it's never going to be all right you know and it, it, it and in the end you know um, Drugs takes away our dignity, our mana, you know. And um, when we see a young people um, addicted to, to anything, you know, it's a tragedy, you know. And as a community of faith, we need to, to be standing up and saying no to this.
0: Yeah. And in regards to the euthanasia debate, you know, you, you often talk about a consistent
1: ethic of life. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think um, it's something that the New Zealand bishops wrote about many years ago, um, following the lead of the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago, um, Cardinal Bernardine, who talked about the, the seamless garment, you know, the, the garment Jesus wore that the soldiers threw dice for. It's this one thing that you can't tear. They they threw dice rather than rip it apart, Um you know, we we can't stand up for the unborn or for the for the dying, if we don't also um, stand up for the um, for the immigrant or the people who are experiencing poverty, or for a care of our planet for future generations. You know, all these sorts of things are about our love for our neighbour, particularly in the vulnerability of their life. You know, when they're vulnerable. Um, you know, it's it's about having a heart for others, especially those who struggle, um, and uh, and we have to navigate um, the issues of our times um, and find better ways of doing things. And so, um, you know, the hospice movement we have in New Zealand um, is is incredible. It's it's world class, and yet. Um, they have to do fundraising, like St John's Ambulance. It's, it's not, it doesn't get the, the, the funding um, that um, um, others do, you know, and it's, it, it's frightening that if the, the euthanasia bill is passed, um, you know, the cost of providing health care is going to become an issue. And euthanasia will be seen as a cheaper option and there will be pressure for people not to be an economic burden. Um, it's, it's been the experience of countries that have done this throughout the world. And this bill is incredibly dangerous.
0: What, what would you say to, to someone who's listening, someone from the Hamilton Diocese, they've watched you over lockdown perhaps, perhaps they've watched one of the other priests as well, um, they're listening in today. What's what's your message for them?
1: Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a big question, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, 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 to, you yeah. know, to finish with a big bang, Maybe yeah, no, 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 i Jesus, pray more. Look, I, I would say I'd, I'd probably actually come back to to my motto: the Lord is my shepherd. You know, um, the Lord wants to be our shepherd, and I, I suppose um, the question I would say is he your shepherd do you allow jesus to guide you Uh, because i believe that he is the way the truth and the life i believe that um, that he offers us eternal life Um, but i believe um, that there is no other philosophy of our age that will give us as much happiness as his way.